All right, welcome back to the Lindrop Hockey Podcast. We are in partnership with the uh, Black and Gold Hockey Productions, LLC. We're here with co-host, father and son duo, Andrew and Jim Lindrop today. Dad, how you doing? I'm doing great, Andrew. Episode 51, right? Yes, correct. So I love this because this guest is, is my age. So this is my age player. N- none of these young guys getting on here that have you know played about five seasons. <laughs> So uh, this will be interesting. Give us the intro, Andrew. Yeah, man. So we are excited to announce our special guest today, Neil Eisenhut. So Neil began playing in the BCJHL as a teenager and played for three teams from 84 until 87 and was later drafted in the 12th round of the 87 NHL draft by the Vancouver Canucks. After being drafted, Neil committed to the University of North Dakota and played from 1987 to 91. And after graduating, Neil ended up turning pro and started his first year in the infamous IHL. And later spent two following or the next two following seasons of the AHL before seeing his first piece of National Hockey League action during the 93-94 season with the Vancouver Canucks. And he reappeared again with another NHL team, the Calgary Flames, the next season for a handful of games. Over the next few years, he continued to play professionally in North America before heading over to Germany to play in the Dell League from 97 until 2002 and later retired in 2002. I hope I got everything right. That was definitely a mouthful, Neil. Without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Neil Eisenhut. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Uh, you did a lot of homework there, but I'm gonna interrupt because um, and change things a little bit because uh, I consider myself uh, when I got drafted, I was the first draft pick for the Vancouver Canucks. Oh, cool. In the, okay. In, in, in the, in, hold on. Hold on. In the twelfth round. Um, <laughs> yeah, most, most people go when I when I get introduced when I'm being a hockey player or something like that, and I always say, "Hey, yeah, I was first. I was first overall with the Vancouver Canucks." <laughs> and then I pause for a second, and then I say, "The twelfth round," because everyone's looking at me, and go, "You weren't a first rounder." <laughs> yeah, so anyway, anyway, so we uh, yeah we had uh, we had some fun with that exactly. <laughs> well, you know, and we've had on guests uh, that have, you know, never played in the NHL, or even the AHL sometimes. And, uh, you know, they thought they were going to be drafted. They actually go to Montreal and they end up not being drafted. And those stories are the worst. They break your heart. Well, I'll tell you something about getting drafted is that uh, um, I grew up in the Okanagan Valley in British Columbia, which is, is, is basically, there's a city called Kelowna. I grew up in Osiris. I live in Kelowna now. And it's, and we have a, we have um, I'm starting the uh, Vancouver Canucks uh, uh, Okanagan alumni here, um, oh. the Canucks alumni, and uh, we probably have 50 or 60 ex NHLers here. Like uh, not ex, not just ex NHL, like Gary Price lives here, Shea Weber lives here, Duncan Keith lives in the Valley, Niedermeyer, Scott Niedermeyer lives uh, in the Valley here. We have a plethora of. Uh, of all stars, uh, Hall of Famers, future Hall of Famers, uh, living in this valley because it's a beautiful part of Canada. Nice. So anyway, on on the draft story is that I was playing in a fastball. I used to play fastball and I pitch, and I was playing uh, fastball in uh, in a little place called Rock Creek. And uh, you know, and you go up there camp, and you're in dirty. You're, you're no shower. If you shower, you, you jump in the river type place, and it's you know, it's just right down to old school uh, bare balls uh, uh, fastball. And so um, Saturday night, I end up getting drafted, but uh, or, or Saturday at the draft, I get drafted. And uh, I didn't know about it because <laughs> it was before cell phones and, and texts and all that stuff. And and so I'm at the dance, uh, at the party afterwards, and I just 
loaded and having a good time with all my buddies and stuff like that. And anyway, I, I'm wearing a Toronto Maple Leafs Daryl Sittler jersey in, you know, up to work camping, right? And and I'm walking around there and I'm loaded and then anyway, we're having a good time. And um, anyway, go to sleep, wake up the next morning and uh, a buddy of mine comes up from Osu, it's about 45 minute drive and he goes, hey, Izzy, you're a knucklehead. I said, what? You <laughs> drafted last night. I said, and then the buddy beside me says, you were wearing a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey last night. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, shit, that's not probably the right thing to do. <laughs> anyway, I, I, and it was kind of interesting because, um, again, small town area and small town guys, everyone knows everyone. But uh, in the ball, I could hear in the, while I was pitching, I could hear in the ball field, in the bear gardens, um, people going, hey, that guy got drafted last night. He, he's, he's with the Vancouver Canucks now. He got drafted last night. Well, that just threw me off. I, I think my, uh, my coach pulled me because uh, I couldn't throw a strike. And uh, anyway, it was kind of a fun story. Uh, I was loaded wearing a Maple Leafs jersey when I got drafted by the Canucks. <laughs> oh, that's great. You know, it reminds me because, you know, you're you're old enough where it's not, you know, now it's, it, you know, it's, it's a big event and uh, teams are like interviewing all the draft picks and, you know, all these things going on. And it reminds me when we had on uh, Brian Prop. I think he got drafted in 79 and he says, you know, I was first round by Philadelphia, but I found out the next day I was working on the family farm in Saskatchewan. So I, you know, he didn't even know. And he was a first round pick. He's like, my dad told me the next day. <laughs> so I can say Prop and I are first, first overalls. He wasn't first overall like me. Uh, <laughs> no, no, he definitely, he, he wasn't even, even thought of in the 12th round. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So, no, you know what? It's, uh, it's funny because, uh, you know, we're the same age. And, yeah, we're three days older than dirt, but uh, um, only 54. So it's uh, it was a long time since I played, but I uh, really enjoyed the time that I did. So, Neil, I'm going to try and test your memory here. This is Andrew. So you're, going, you're taking me back to your teenage days at the BCJHL. You had a pretty successful four years there, obviously. You got drafted right after. What was it like playing in that league during the time? Well, the BCJHL actually uh, is, is that's in the Okanagan Valley. Well, it's, it's British Columbia, but, uh, you know, Penticton, you hear a lot of Penticton and, and West Kelowna is where I actually live in West Kelowna and Vernon, and, and they're well known. And we actually have a lot of people out of the Boston or Massachusetts area. Really? A lot of kids that come here and play. Um, and, you know, I don't have anything off, off the top, any names off the top of my head, but I know that uh, um, I'm still involved a little bit with uh, some of the coaches are my vintage, so we talk and, and, uh, and, yeah, and they, do, uh, they do scouting out, uh, out east in, in the Massachusetts area and, and is, is a big one for them. So uh, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting. But um, I actually, uh, I, I played on a number of teams. Uh, growing up in Osiris, Penticton is about 45 minutes away, and they're the powerhouse. They they get the most scholarships and so forth. And, and I wanted a scholarship since I was 12 years old, and and uh, I could have went to the Western League a couple times, but I just said no. My dad wanted me to go, and I said no. I want a scholarship. I want a scholarship. Because I didn't think I was that good a player, and uh, I was actually a late developer, and and and. Um, I wanted to get my education. If I could get my education paid for, because my parents did so much through my junior career and minor hockey career to, to you know, sacrifices to get me to the rink on time and all that kind of stuff. So I, I wanted to pay for my schooling, and and uh, I actually uh, agreed to a scholarship 
um, in my last year junior, and I was I was third in the um, in the league in scoring, and then um, I blew my knee out, or I, I didn't blow my knee out, I hurt my knee, and and uh, and um, uh, I, I was going to miss a month, but my birthday's in February, and if I would have played a game after that, I would have lost one year of eligibility. Mm. So my coach, my coach, and this is. A really interesting thing is his, his name was Buzz McPherson, and he was the guy who gave Gretzky 99. Oh, okay. He put Gretzky's number on him. So Muzz uh, called himself the fat man. He's passed on now, but uh, uh, called himself the fat man. And uh, I went into him, and I said with my dad, I was, I was distraught because I was one of the captains of the team, and and I couldn't play anymore. Like, I, my knee would have been better, but if I play another game, I lose a year of eligibility. And I went into Muzz's office, and... And I said, Muzz, I've got a problem. And he was actually talking to Wayne um, on the phone. And so I was kind of distracted by it. And uh, we come back and uh, and uh, he gets off the phone and I go, that was Wayne Gretzky, wasn't it? He goes, oh yeah, oh yeah. He's coming He's coming to Vancouver where I'm going to go see him when, when the Edmonton comes. I was like, he's talking to Gretzky. I forgot why I went in there. <laughs> and, uh, so, so anyway, then I told Harry, I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm ready to come, I'm ready to come back, but I've got a major decision here. You know, I'm third in the league in scoring, and, you know, it's January 9th, and uh, I'm kind of like, you know, i got a chance of winning a uh, scoring race here. And he says, but I lose a year of eligibility. He goes, you don't have a decision, Neil. I said, what do you mean I don't have a decision? Tomorrow in the paper, there will be a... Uh, it'll be written as Neil ha- has a Ivanov has a, a season-ending knee injury, not a career-ending season-ending knee injury. He goes, we want to promote this 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 uh, this program to get uh, get more kids to come here, and we want to promote scholarships. So I'm not going to screw you on a year of eligibility. And I thought that was one of the most selfless things I've seen a guy do. Yeah, uh, I really respect uh, Muslim person for doing that. Nice. Yeah, no, that is definitely. So you, uh, go ahead. Sorry. You you then commit to a university of North Dakota, which obviously is uh, one of the finest schools around. And uh, matter of fact, in uh, North Dakota, we had uh, Ryan Duncan, a former uh, Hobie Baker was just on about a a month ago. Great, great guy. Uh, So he took, he talked about, you know, I mean, North Dakota has got so many diehard fans anyway. I'm sure you had plenty of other offers to play at a Division One school. What made you decide on North Dakota? Well, I had offers to go to Wisconsin, um, uh, Chicago. Um, I forget. I had a couple more offers. I forget where they were. That was a long time ago. But I know Wisconsin and and, uh, and uh, Wisconsin. They were coming up and they were they were still pretty hard talking to me every time they came in the rank. And uh, I chose to go on a, a fly down to North Dakota. And as soon as they found out I was going to a fly down to North Dakota, they actually said, "They actually said, well, well, we saw your transcripts, and we didn't think you would. Uh, we didn't think you were going to get, you know, make it into our administration anyway." Uh-huh. So they knew. They knew sure as hell. As soon as I went to North Dakota, I wasn't going anywhere else. Right. And so, yeah. So I went on one fly down only, um, and I went down there with my right winger. Um, it was a funny story is that when North Dakota came to, to watch me play, it was in Abbotsford, the suburb of Vancouver, and I was late getting there because I was doing some schooling. I had a test or something. I was late getting to the game, and I jumped out in warm-up halfway through, and um, and and my right winger comes up to me and says, says I, 
look at all the trench coats, look at all the trench coats. And Abbotsford didn't really draw a whole bunch of fans, but they had trench coats all over the place. And back in those days, that meant scouts for stuff. Oh, okay. And so all of a sudden I'm going, I go, okay, we're gonna, we got to light it up tonight. we got to light it up tonight. Well, sure enough, my right winger got five points. My left winger got five points. I got two and got ripped off like four assists, and I was absolutely pissed. <laughs> my, mom and dad have, my mom and dad happened to be there, and uh, my dad always had an ability to cozy up to a trench coat and see what they were looking at, being, being the father that he was. And uh, anyway, so they come down afterwards after the game to, to kind of in the holding area where, where the players would go out and see their parents and stuff like that before jumping on the bus. And my dad saw this trench coat guy. He goes, ah, oh. he goes, well, I'm here. I'm from North Dakota. He goes, oh, oh, geez, my son, uh, my son, you know, he only had two points in the game. He goes, which one's your son? He goes, oh, it's Isaac. He had me circled and, and two stars beside on both sides of the circle. And then my dad thought, oh, I got ripped off on points. He goes, no, no. He goes, he set up. He got ripped off a bunch of points, but we don't care about that. We watched how he played. He set up this guy, set up that guy. He said he was instrumental in all the game, all the things. We're here to talk to him. Nice. And so my dad was like, okay, he's, he's calm. He's calmed down. I kinda, I'm kind of, i pissed in the room because I all the scouts there and I didn't get the points. And then all of a sudden, Muggs comes in and goes, hey, uh, Neil, North Dakota wants to talk to you. I was like, what? And uh, yeah, so that was, that was it. I was kind of, I fell in love with North Dakota, and I still have very, very, very good friends in in, in Grand Forks, North Dakota, and and, and the, the state of North Dakota to this day. Best man at my wedding was was one of my teammates. Oh, awesome! Who was your favorite line yeah. major in your four years at UND? Um, well, there, there were there were so many. I played I played on the line for a couple of years with uh, a guy named Brent Bobbitt, who's out of Saskatchewan. Um, and Barbara was in the Montreal chain for a while. And another guy who actually lives here in West Kelowna as well, it was Dixon Ward, who uh, played for the Vancouver Canucks and Buffalo and L.A. And he had, Dixon had quite quite a good career. Um, but we were, the three of us together were lethal. We were we were real good. One of the, the, the stats, of the stats that I'm most proud of um, is, I played 140, I believe it was 148 or 142 games at North Dakota. And I blew my knee out my senior year leading the nation. Um, I had ACL reconstruction after that. And, and I only played 20 games that year. We, we had a chance of winning a title that year. We were real good. Um, anyway, I think I played, I can't remember if it was 148 or 142, but I had a point per game. So I had 142 game, uh, games. I had 142 points or 148. I, you probably got the stats there, but um, that's that's the, one of the stats I'm most proud of. So a uh, two-part question here, Neil. So you spend your first pro year in the infamous IHL, which we, we love hearing stories about the IHL. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of like, uh, what was the IHL like? But also, what was it like to sign your first pro contract coming out of college well we'll go to the contract first is that um the contract's like um uh, about a four-page contract and, and and i didn't really care and then you have an addendum on there and i guess i think gretzky's is something like 26 pages back then because he had all the uh, i get this or i get that and stuff like that but the standard contracts only four pages long back in those days and and uh um, because I blew my knee out and had ACL reconstruction, so I did that on December 17th of 1990, I think, 
And then the next time I was on the ice was September of 91 in Canucks camp. And, and so I actually lost, uh, lost quite a bit of money on, uh, on my signing bonus because I was in a cast or, in, you know, my, my knee was blown. I was re- rehabbing my knee. Um, so I was excited as, you know, what to sign, you sign your pro ticket. That's what you want to do. And, um, yeah, but, uh, but quite honestly, um, and then I looked at my, uh, I looked at my, when I got my signing bonus, and 40% was missing. And I had worked before, but 40% was missing. I was losing 40%. Oh, well, the government took that. That was my first hard <laughs> uh, slap of how taxes work. <laughs> Welcome to adulthood, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Now I got to put my big boy pants on and put the government, you know, 40% of my money, which uh, that sucked. Wow. So you play uh, one and a half season in the AHL before before getting the the call up for your first NHL game. So what's the story of you getting that call? And was it even a phone call, or did the, did the you know did the trainer say, "Hey, pack up your shit, you're going to Vancouver"? So my first my first year was in Milwaukee, and uh, again, I'm, I'm I'm really just getting back from my knee injury, and. Uh, uh, and, and so it, it was back in the days when when hockey was hockey, um, you know, the game is super fast now. I, I my game would be more um, attuned to today's game than it was back then. But because in those days you didn't have the obstruction rule, they used to hook and hold and water ski behind guys, grab and jump, and there's lots of fighting and stuff like that. And that was that wasn't part of my game. But um, the next year the team moved their the, the Canucks moved their farm team from Milwaukee to Hamilton. And so I played uh, I played that year. And then the following year was when I got the call-up. Um, and, and in Vancouver, we were pretty good. We went to the Stanley Cup that, that year that I got called up. Um, but I, we were on the road in the East Coast. And uh, Jack McElharty, you know, ex-Philadelphia uh, Flyer and Vancouver Canuck. And, and I had Jack put the seat on me. So... Uh, I was one of the leadership group, and, and he calls me in and he says, I mean, you're getting a call. You're flying to Philadelphia. He goes, I'm jealous because that's where he played. He was part of the Broad Street Bullies. And um, he goes, I'm jealous that you're going, kid, but congratulations. So I went up to Philadelphia, and and my first game, um, I'm playing with Gino Ujic, who is uh, anyone who follows the Canucks is, is a legend, and, and I love Gino to this day. Uh, but he was a fighter and he was an enforcer. He was tough and he was good at what he did. I'm playing on a line with him and I managed to slip him the puck and he scores on it. And, and Gino's, Gino's, uh, Gino's a beauty. He comes over, he goes, you're the only college puke I like. <laughs> I'll never forget that. And, and uh, yeah, he's, he's really, a, I really like him. Yeah. So was there a, a, a big, difference at that time again we're talking late 80s early 90s for our listeners of uh you know hey you went to college or a college boy as opposed to uh juniors um yeah i think the college players were starting to break in a little bit more you know they were starting to get a higher percentage of the drafts and and uh um, or or infiltrating into the nhl a little bit more because because college hockey is 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 it's outstanding. If you get a chance to go see a D one game, um, go go see it. It's 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 an event. It's it's really fun, and I miss those days. Um, 
And I, I went to one in 2016. I went back to North Dakota just to hang out and check it out there. And, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was it was outstanding uh, watching the watching them, uh, uh, the game. But but now going to the NHL, going from the minors to the NHL, I remember like I was uh, I'd probably played 25 minutes a game at the minors, and as a centerman, it's, it's a lot. But you only play with three lines and one extra. And then when you go to the NHL, you get your three shifts a period if, if you're lucky and, and, and move on. Uh, but I remember in that first game, I'm back checking on, I think it was, it was Deneen. I think it was Kevin Deneen. Um, and uh, I'm back checking on him. And he reaches around and he grabs my opposite shoulder, gives me a little pull and twists me, and then hits another gear and he's gone. And I remember diving back in front of the net to tip a pass going for a tapping goal, to tip a pass away. And I ended up in a pile of ice chips on the gates of the boards blown up because I had to dive and I couldn't stop. I hit the boards and it was just, it's another, it's another level. Um, I remember going to, uh, in, in, when I was with Calgary, we, my first call up with Calgary the following year, um, going to LA and we we're in pregame skate and skate with Joe Newendike and, and, you know, he's, he's taller than me. He's about six, three or something like that. And, and, uh, I was like, Holy shit, I can't keep up with these guys in pregame skate. They're fast. And, 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 uh, you know, it's an adjustment period and, and, you know, the NHL, the NHL, because it's the NHL, it's the best league in the world. So between your time with the two teams, Vancouver and Calgary, what was the most memorable game you played? <clears throat> oh, that's, uh, well, for me, there's two games if I can. Uh, it's my third NHL game. <laughs> this is a funny story. I tell I tell it around here to anyone who'll listen. Uh, so from Vancouver to Ophelia is where my family is. It's about a five-hour drive, four-and-a-half-hour drive. And uh, so it's my third NHL game, and Pat Quinn comes up to me in the pregame skate, and he goes, hey, hey Izzy, you're going to check Wayne tonight. And I'm a bit of a smartass, I, and I, I look at Pat, very intimidating, very, very nice man, but it's just a, a, a big figure right Pat Quinn was uh was all world I, I love Pat he's my favorite coach of all time um anyway Pat looks at me and, and he goes hey uh Izzy you're gonna check Wayne tonight and I looked at him with a shit-eating grin on my face and said Wayne who and he goes don't get cocky with me and then I go who am I playing with because you play with Gino and Anton and Anton is Sean and Toski and Gino's Gino Ojek and they're both big big enforcer guys right and I was like, yeah, hey, you want to hand in my mind, I was like, do you want to handcuff me too? And uh, like, you know, these guys, they're, you know, how are we going to stop playing with, with two enforcers? Anyway, um, and those guys are great hockey players. Don't get me wrong. I was joking with them. So I get back to the, I get back to the, uh, to my place and I call my brother and I said, hey, Doug, you got to come down. I'm going to check Wayne every time. It's going to be on the ice. I'm going to be on the ice. Just a verbal diarrhea coming out of my mouth. <laughs> first words out of his, first words out of his mouth. We're not watch out. He's a pretty good passer, or you know, he's pretty good with the puck. First words out of his mouth was, "Don't embarrass the family." Wow. <laughs> and I went, I went, oh my god, I'm checking the great one, and I panicked. This was like a, normally at one o'clock you eat, you go down for a nap at two, you get up, you have you know some coffee and maybe some um, peanut butter and, and toast, and and then you go to the game at five and stuff like that. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I drank about five cups of coffee. I'm sneaking. I'm like, I'm nervous as all hell. And there's Gino stretching on the carpet. And I come beside him and he goes, Hey, Izzy, 
you want a spare wing? I'll look after you. No problem. I was like, <laughs> oh, there's a good move. I'm going to have to move off the planet if I do that. Yeah, no kidding. And, uh, and, and anyway, uh, so anyway, we played him and, and uh, uh, we had a good team in Vancouver. We beat him, uh, I think we beat him four last so that night. And, uh, um, I think I was third star in the game or something like that. So yeah, did did you uh, did you chirp him? Did you give him a little you know smack with the wood on the no, leg I, or what? I got too much respect to chirp. Chirp the greatest player to ever play the game. Um, uh, yeah, there's. Uh, however, you know, there was a time my 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 brother uh, had an insurance office in in Osiris and uh, we uh, he had a picture of me uh, spearing Gretzky, or as I call it, hooking. Um, and and there was. There were three guys in the in the or four people in the in the picture. There was me and Wayne, Dana Merson on our team, and then Kirk McLean, our goalie. And I and so Doug would bring bring clients into the office and he'd bring me in there and he said, Hey, tell me about this picture. And it was and I would say, Well, you know, I wasn't making that much money at that time. Uh, Dana Merson just signed a contract. I think he was making six hundred and 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 Kirk uh, back was making uh, like one point two, and then I say Wayne was making like ten million. So he goes, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm looking for change." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'd have a laugh over that, and, and uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. So that that was the number that was the number one experience of playing. The second experience of playing is is a little bit of hockey, but a little bit of after hockey. So I was in Calgary, and we're playing the Canucks. And how I got to think, I got to Calgary, and then I saw that summer. Um, that's uh, I saw that that summer. I saw Gino, and Gino says, "Hey, are you coming back to us?" I said, "No, no, no." I, I signed with Calgary. He goes, "Oh, I'll talk to my buddy Sandman, and um, and I'll uh, I'll uh, I'll tell him that you're coming to look after you." Sandman is Andy McCartney, who is the tough guy in Calgary. So I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I always want the tough guy to be my buddy. And so anyway, I get in there and Sandy says, hey, Heisey, you're, uh, you're Gino's buddy. I said, yeah, yeah. So anyway, we, we get to, so we play a game on a Saturday night. It's Hockey Night in Canada. It's the fastest game I've ever been in. Um, both teams were good. Um, and back and forth, and, and I didn't play a whole bunch. Um, but after the game, we, uh, we all go out for dinner. Um, Gino and Sandman are best friends. And, and so he brings me along. Now, second period, one of them, I can't remember who now, but one of them got a tap on the shoulder and they went out there and they lined up against each other and they fought each other. And these guys hammered the piss out of each other, like just haymakers coming, you know, big, big. Uh, punches and, and, and it's just a really good fight. And I and they both had like, you know, little shiners, little cuts on their face. And I'm sitting at dinner and these two guys are joking back and forth and I'm going, wait a minute, this ain't right. I'm sitting, these, these two just be bailing at each other and now we're having dinner together. It just didn't make sense to me. Wow. Yeah, so anyway, that's that was kind of a, we a weird thing. But what it showed is that um, they were, you know, they were doing their job they're best friends. They played junior together. Um, they're best friends, and when when they had to do their job, they did their job. So that, that's the toughest job in hockey, in my opinion. Was there a time um, we had on a, a guy that played right around in your era, Darren Banks? He played about twenty games with Boston, and he was he also in, in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. you you know Banksy. So Banksy told us a story when he was in Calgary. Uh, you know, he didn't play for them, but he, I guess he went to their camp or whatever. 
And uh, the guys on the team, the captain and whoever took him out to lunch and he didn't have any money. You know, he was just a, you know, a minor league guy. And uh, they pulled a prank on him that five other guys each got up during the, during the lunch and left. <laughs> and they, and they stuck him with the bill and Banks was like, this is bullshit. You know, like I'm making, you know, whatever I'm making and these guys are making a million dollars and I get stuck with the bill, but you know, they, uh, they were just teasing them. And I guess they were like waiting outside, but they, they made him yeah. pay the bill. <laughs> well, that's, you know what that is. That's uh, there's no more hazing and stuff like that. And, and when you get, get to that level, that's your hazing is that you get the pocketbook. Um, I had a similar thing for my rookie dinner. Um, it cost, uh, it cost me about $12,000. What? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, go home and cry afterwards. And believe it or not, I was happy to pay it because that meant you were part of the club. Wow. Yeah, that would, that would that's a lot of cash back then, Andrew. I can t- I can testify yeah. to that. So speaking of fighting, you just a lot of cash now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's true. So Neil, just speaking of kind of you know the general topic of fighting now, I do like to ask our old school guests um, just kind of the general question of first of all, in your opinion, do you think there is still a place? Uh, for fighting and hockey in the in, you know the game right now, or is there not anymore? Do you think that's going to be extinct? Well, if you look at my stats, you would think that I was a goalie, but um, <laughs> it's uh, um, when I was in the NHL and I didn't play that many games. But you look at my penalty minutes; they were they were up there. It wasn't a fight. I stuck a guy in the head accidentally. I got a five minute got kicked out of the game for it. Um, but I, I do believe, like, I was never a fighter. So that's the first thing I'm going to say. I was never a fighter. Um, I played in the minors. I played on the line usually with a guy that, that tried to, you know, for lack of better words, protect me in, in a bunch of different uh, teams that I played on. And um, it was, uh, I, I enjoyed it because there there's, a, there's an ability where, the, the thing I have a problem with in today's game is that the big hit instantly causes a fight right after. Like if you see any big hit in the game and clean, clean hit, but it's a, but it's a big one. There's always someone over there that they want to fight now. Right. Um, hitting is part of the game and, uh, and intimidation, believe it or not, is part of the game. So, uh, you know, it, it's, I, I like the game. The game today is better match for my, my skill sets that I had. I was a little, uh, I wasn't a, a tough player by any means. I'm not saying I was, uh, but uh, I was a skilled player. And um, I, I think that, that there is a place for it. Um, it just shouldn't be every drop of the puck and stuff like that. So we mentioned off air two things uh, I, I want to hit. Number one, so... Um, we're not so much as a Bruins podcast as our parent company is. We cover, you know, hockey guests like you. But, you know, me growing up in Boston, uh, and we do have a lot of Boston listeners, so we mentioned the old Boston Garden. So you uh, you said you had a story or two uh, about, you know, the old Boston Garden we'd love to hear about. Yeah, I got, I got three stories, uh, three stories about Boston. I scored my first, my first goal in Boston against Casey um back in 90s or yeah 1990 i think it was um anyway uh yeah so and, and i always say that yeah my like i scored my first goal in in the boston garden um it was uh, assisted by pavel Bure, and uh and then everyone goes oh, oh 
you, you played with Pavel Yanov, I played in the NHL, and I played in Vancouver around that time. Pavel was the man. And, uh, and he happened to pass me, uh, pass me the puck, and I uh, went back to the D-man, and the shot came, and I, there was a little tip. And so Pavel and Yuri Slager got an assist on it. Um, so that was that was a, a cool a cool thing because it was my my first goal and in that tiny little barn i ended up playing with the rangers farm team in binghamton and it was i think the same size uh a barn in there and uh it, it there's you know for a lot of big guys out on the ice um it's uh it, there's not a lot of space out there in, in especially in that clutch and grab era uh, I think when I was with the Canucks, I was the third smallest on the team where Pavel and Cliff Ronning were the two guys that were smaller than me. Uh, everyone else was bigger. Uh, but um, so, so, you know, scoring the first goal in the Boston Gardens was it. And the fans are just, you know, they're, they're, they're awesome. You know, they hate you. They love the Bruins. And, you know, they yell things that, you know, I wouldn't even say on this podcast. Um, but the other, one of the other stories, um, I went to uh, we I was, when I was in North Dakota. We played a we played a, a series of I guess BU or BC. I think B, BU. We were playing BU, and we got to go we got to go to a Boston uh, Bruins game, and so we were all college kids with no money, and we got into the rink. They got us into the rink, and they said, "Okay, well, you got to go up at the top top rows or whatever the top thing. Um, we'll let you into the rink and, and stuff like that." So we we got we got into the rink. And then I spotted, I was with about five guys, and I spotted a, a whole section that was kind of empty. I go, hey, guys, look, look down there. We could, we could sneak down there and we get good seats down in the lower bowl. Yeah, 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 let's go. So, so we sneak down there. We're all stealthy. We sneak down there. We go sit in there, and we could see to about the far blue line, and then the, the overhang took out the other goal. That's why no one was sitting there. Yeah. And see, then you had to watch the game on the TV. Uh, so the old garden was interesting. It, um, and in the, in the game that I played, uh, Canucks against there, it was, it was, uh, um, you know, Cam Neely was there and Cam Neely's God in, 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 in Boston. Um, uh, that was maybe a bad trade from Vancouver to, to Boston, but, uh, for Vancouver fans, but, um, anyway, Neely's, uh, in front of the net and Rob Murphy on our team, big centerman, about six, four, gets, gets, uh, they, they come together in front of the net and they both look at each other. And I don't know who said you want to go. And Murph dropped his gloves and, and came like from the back of me through the Great Plains over top of the, the Rockies and hit Cam Neely on the nose with one of the hardest punches you'll ever see. And Cam Neely just kind of stood there and took it, put a little smile on his face, and then continued to beat Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that guy was tough. Wow. He took a punch right in the beak, didn't phase him, and then fed my buddy. Um, and, and, and Murph, Murph's a tough guy. Murph, Murph can tell the stories just as well as I would. Um, but uh, yeah, that was it was a tough, uh, tough part of, um, uh, of playing against the Bruins back in those days. It's, it's Cam Healy. It's, uh, it was good. And, and the other one, we're playing, uh, I have one of my best friends uh, played at BU, a guy named Phil Von Stefanelli. Um, and, and he was uh, he was in a restaurant one time, and this was, this was going after, because I heard you say God. And didn't say garden, you said God. And, <laughs> That's right. And so, so Philly, Philly Vaughn's from, from Vancouver, and uh, he's, he's going to school at BU, and he's, he's out 
having own a restaurant just by himself, having having a little dinner, and this family of four is behind him. And it's, you know, a uh, boy and girl, maybe they're 10 and 8 years old and stuff, and, and their food comes, and, and the little boy goes, Mom, I got no fucking fire, a fucking knife. <laughs> and, 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 and Philly Vaughn started laughing. The whole table looked at him like, what are you laughing at? <laughs> I just, I, I love the Boston area. It was just, uh, it was, it was fun, fun to be there for the amount of time I was there. And, and, uh, and yeah, it's just a couple of funny stories. Now, we also talked off air, uh, I was talking about Vancouver Canucks and, and uh, Dave Capiano, who was on the Vancouver Canucks before, just before you got there, I think a year or two. And you said that you've got a cap story and uh, we're, we have him on uh, all the time uh, covering some Bruins stuff as a bonus episode when we're not interviewing players. We're going to see him Sunday. So do you got a good cap story for us? Well, well um, so Jack, Jack was also with the Canucks before I got to Milwaukee, I believe he was there. I think I played a little bit with Cappy, with, with Jack, but Dave, did he not go to, where did he go to school? He went, he, he went to Maine, University of Maine. That's what I thought. I was going to say Maine. That's what I thought. So it was my second year at North Dakota, and I'm playing with Dixon Ward and Bobber, as I mentioned earlier, and uh and we're playing against Maine, and, and Cappy's lighting it up. Cappy's lighting up the, the league. And so the coach comes to us and says, okay, you guys, uh, your job is to stop Cappy Wow. And so and Gino, Gino Gasparini was uh, was our, our coach there with, era, with uh, uh, Dean Blaze, who coached the World Junior team to, to a, uh, a championship. And so they'll come into the story in a sec. So anyway, we go up the first period. So before the before the game starts, we go, okay, well, let, you know, let's, let's really make sure we we're looking after him and we'll, we'll cover him and we're going to keep him off the score sheet. We come in and he's got three points in the first period. And, and Gino comes in with, uh, with a stick in his hand. And, uh, back in those days, remember this is eighties, um, slams a stick over the, the Island in the middle where the tape and the Gatorade are slams a stick in there and, and breaks the stick. And now he's going around the room with this, jagged edge blade sticking out and everyone's kind of back in their stalls and, and Gino ain't, ain't very happy. He's, he's giving it to us like, ah, oh, and he's giving it to Dix and myself and, and Bobber because we can't stop him. And, and so anyway, we're okay. Well, he goes out of the thing. We find out that he sprained his wrist when he broke the stick. And so he was hurt. So, so the coach is hurt now because he's got a sprained wrist because he's bad and he's trying to think. And now we go for the second period. Well, Cappy goes and puts, I think, another three against us. So he's got six points in, in two periods. And and we come back in. Gino doesn't come back in. Blazer comes in. And there was a uh, there's a five-gallon, you know, those orange five-gallon uh, Gatorade jumps. Yeah. It's full of Gatorade. Well, he kicks it and explodes, and there's Gatorade all over the place. And he's giving it to us, and, and we're all like, you know, and, and we're freaking out. Well, we find out he goes back out. And he broke his toe when he kicked it. <laughs> we find this out later because it wasn't funny at the time. No. Uh, but and and so anyway, Cappy goes out, and I think he, he might have had eight points in the game. I don't know, but he just dominated us. And and uh, and we said so to this day. Dix and I laugh every now and then when we're talking and going, "Hey, do you remember when uh, we shut down Cappy?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, he'll love that story. Yeah. 
Yeah, I bet he will. He probably won't even remember me, but uh, uh, but I definitely remember that night. <laughs> so taking a step outside the subject a little bit, Neil, so you end up spending six years playing in Germany um, for the seasons you spent with uh, the Creffield Penguins. I'm probably saying that really wrong, but anyways. You know, yeah, yeah, so, so you yeah. ended up spending a total of, I believe, six seasons there. I assume with you finishing your career out there, you had a really positive experience in Germany. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, before we go there, I'll take a step back. Um, when I was with the Flames, uh, they, I, I spent one year with the Flames, but I had a one-on-one, and it was, it was uh, my option to, to sign or not. And uh, so I, with my agent, I was talking to the Flames, and I said, well, what's my chances of, uh, of you know, being in Calgary rather than in St. John? And I love St. John. It was great. But what are my chances? And they said, well, and I was the captain of the team before. They said, well, we're going to have you there in St. John to teach the teach young guys how to play the game in the right way and get them ready to come up to the NHL. And I said, well, that's okay. Uh, I think I'm going to move on because I, I, I was still young at that time and I thought I could still play in the NHL. And if I would have stayed in Calgary or with Calgary, I probably would have played, you know, five, six seasons because Calgary wasn't that good that next year. And, um, the depth chart, I would have been probably up there, I'm saying, I'm guessing. Um, and I probably would have, you know, once you're in the NHL for a number of times, then you stay there and, and you can kind of uh, be regurgitated around the league a little bit and because um, you're, you're known as an NHLer now. So I didn't do that. I went to Orlando and played there. After Orlando, two seasons there, um, or with the Rangers and Orlando, I went, I went over to Germany. And uh, money was a little bit better over there. And, I'm, you know, now I'm getting a little long in the tooth in, in the hockey world. And um, so I went to Crayville for four years. And I actually uh, ended up uh, dating the GM's daughter. Nice. So, um, yeah, so I wasn't that good a hockey player, but I was smart enough to date the GM's daughter. So, and then I married her. Um, awesome. So, so uh, yeah, I married her and I got a two-year contract out of it. He got fired. <laughs> um, and then, no, it's, I'm joking. Um, and then I moved. It was it was one of these things where um, every now and then I believe every kind of five years you got to kind of reinvent yourself, otherwise you, you can get stagnant and stuff like that. So I was four years in Creekville, and uh, I chose to go to um, I chose to go to Dusseldorf, which is about 15 minutes down the road. I actually had another contract offer in another place in Germany for bigger money. But um, it was further away from Crayfell, where where my mother-in-law and father-in-law were. So I didn't want to take my wife away from that. So I took a two-year deal in, in Dusseldorf instead. And uh, so it was kind of like life experiences or, or lifestyle that I, I picked there. Um, yeah, so it was it was it was really good and I enjoyed it. Um, we're still married to this day, and my son was born over there. Um, it was a good experience, and, and uh, but moving from Krefeld to to Dusseldorf would be like moving from Boston to to uh, Montreal. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you just don't do it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I remember the first time coming back to Krefeld um, during uh, going out for warm up. The crowd and the crowds are crazy over there. They're like soccer, like they're all singing and they're all drunk. They've been there before. You know, at the game before you've been there tailgating, and um, and uh, yeah, it's it's a great experience. And when I when I went out the ice, they're all chanting my name, 
I got introduced to the starting lineup. They all chanted my name and everything like that. Once the puck was dropped, every time I touched it, they booed me. <laughs> it, was great. it was great. It was great. And then after the game, I, sal- I went out on the ice by myself and I saluted them all. And they were very respectful and, and uh, they love their teams over there. And, you know, don't leave them. <laughs> awesome. Now, before we get to uh, a lightning round to kind of finish up uh, uh, our guest spot here, I, I, I looked online. So you're like this big VP finance manager guy. What are you doing these days? Well, I am a, uh, I'm a, a discretionary portfolio manager for RBC Dominion Securities. Um, so what I do is I look after people's retirement. I'm a, the old word was stockbroker, but a financial planner, um, yeah, that's what I do. And um, so I've been doing that for 19 years, or, well, actually since 2003. And uh, I've built up a nice little practice here and, um, and uh, you know, made some good calls. Uh, I took about $25 million out of the market February 20th of 2020, uh, which turned out to be a pretty good call. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so uh, what I do is I try and help my clients get to retirement. And, and once they're in retirement, then we go from there. Do you have um, – I, I, I don't know if we mentioned it on air or off air. Uh, you know, you're, you're part of the Vancouver Canucks alumni where you're at. Well, do you do much with hockey? Do you keep in touch with a lot of players, some? Yeah, I have, I have, uh, I have uh, hockey players on my book. Um, guys that I played with or played against and it's a small world once you kind of get in there uh, um, you know it's word of mouth uh, in the dressing room oh, who's your guy who's your financial guy oh it's this guy oh okay well I'll use him so I built up an, uh, a little bit of a practice that way and that uh, um, and I'm a part of the uh, uh, Canucks alumni because uh, I am at BC and also the uh, Flames alumni as well, but I, I'm not I'm not as active with those guys because they're a little bit further away. Um, and then, so where I live in the Okanagan Valley, with all the as I said earlier, all the ex NHLers here, uh, and uh, you know uh, we, uh, we we kind of get together every now and then. We used to have a th- well, we have a Thursday skate, but um, my knees. Shoulders have been so bad. I haven't skated in a while, but uh, uh, we used to have there like Mike Ridley. Uh, he was a Toronto Maple Leaf, Washington Capital. He was an NHL All Star. He's out there. Jordan Tutu, um, uh, Josh Georgian. Um, actually, you know what? A Boston guy, Chuck Kobasu, and I grew up oh, yeah. in my hometown as well. So nice. you know, there's a little bit of a he played in Boston. Um, anyway, um, so what I've done is I've I've been a little bit active in the with the Cux alumni. And uh, they're they're very active down in Vancouver, and I'm starting trying to start the uh, uh, the Okanagan uh, uh, alumni part of it as well, and bring all these guys together so we could do some we could do some uh, some good for people. And the pandemic's kind of slowed it down a little bit. I've kind of put it on the back shelf until we kind of get out of this because no one really wants to get together and, and um, you know, with all the rules and everything like that. So, you know, we can do some charitable work and, and, and so forth. So, you know, giving back is, is pretty important to me. Okay, great. Yeah. We're going to, uh, we're going to go with a lightning round and these are going to be one word answer. If you've got a story, you can tell a story, but we're going to try to ask you some real fast questions and see what pops into your head. All right. Okay. All right. So kind of a two part. Which arena had the worst locker rooms? Now, I, I want to say um, in your whole career, 
and then in the NHL. So kind of two places. Um, Springfield. Okay. I don't know why that popped into my mind, but Springfield and the minors, yeah. What about, what about the NHL? The NHL, I, I'd probably say Boston in that, that time because uh, it was one of the older ranks. It is, yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, we keep a survey on this question, especially with the uh, uh, players your age. And uh, Boston comes up, L.A., the old forum comes up, but definitely uh, Buffalo, the odd, comes up more than anything else. Really? Yeah. Well, actually, actually, the worst, the worst, uh, the worst spot was um, Rochester because you had to take the elevator up two floors. <laughs> to get the break. So there it is, Rochester. Yeah, Americans there. So then, uh, which which arena had the worst ice conditions? Yeah. Oh, the worst ice conditions. Ooh. Um, I I don't know who had the worst. I would say Edmonton probably had the best. Okay. I, I, you know what? It would probably be somewhere warm, where the ice was uh, where, where it was tougher to keep the ice cold. Orlando couldn't have been great, right? Orlando had a newer rink, though, so they, the compressors were pretty good. And, and then um, they built a big facility because we were owned by the Magic, so they oh. built, built a big facility. But we, we played out of the same rink that Shaq played back in those days. That's where Shaq played out of. Gotcha. Toughest goalie to score against in any league? Um, there's two. There would be two in that. Patrick Law. And uh, Dominic Hasek. But I scored my first pro goal on Dom in, uh, in, when he was in Indianapolis. Funniest or most embarrassing thing to happen to you during a game or during a warm-up, at least, but while you were on the ice or on the bench? Okay, that's a story, though. Uh, so I was in North Dakota, and uh, a guy named uh, Osiki played in the NHL for a while. I was coming down the wing, and... I tried to stop up and go to the go to the to the middle because he was coming to kill me. And <laughs> you stop up and you stop up really quick. You kind of it's almost like wrestling. You gotta your energy has got to go somewhere. So I kind of jumped up a little bit. So I stopped and tried to get my to dissipate the energy. I jumped up a little bit. That guy grabbed me and threw me against the glass sideways. So Jeez. the reason why I know it was sideways is because we had a dasher where the glass came down on the top of the boards in North Dakota, and the boards were always hard. And, and it was about, I want to say about three, four inches long, that dasher. And you'd hate it because you'd catch your ribs on it. Anyway, he threw me up against the glass sideways, and I caught my, my heel up on the, on, the, on the dasher. And then I landed on the, on the like, my shoulder blades and then snapped my head back and knocked myself out. So I was out cold. When I woke up, the first thing I did is I put my head in my jersey, and I started wrapping my belly, and I was like, oh, ah. And PC for, for your, your listeners, um, Dixon Ward was over top me and goes, get up, Izzy, you sound like my girlfriend. And I, <laughs> and, I started, and I started laughing, right? And the ref's there and my trainer's there and the ref goes, okay, get him up. <laughs> right? Okay, get him up. So I get back to the bench and um, I got, like we wore the full visors and everything, the full mask, right? And I put my helmet on crooked. We're in a one nothing game, and, and our guy, we, we scored, and our guy had a highlight goal. And um, the trainer goes, okay, he's good to go. I got my helmet on crooked, and Gino goes, I, this is, I, I've been told this story. I don't really remember it. 
Gio goes, okay, Izzy's lying with McLean in the middle, and, and so I'm getting benched. So I, I stick against the board because I'm pissed because I'm not playing where I had no business being out there. And my helmet's on crooked. The guy beside me looks at, him, looks at me and goes, Izzy, are you okay? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm good. Who scored the goal? And I kind of turned my head and looked at the at the, at the clock, and I go, oh, I don't know. <laughs> and it was right, right, in the late, right in the late 80s when the first Batman movie came out. And uh, and and so anyway, he goes, uh, and I looked down the bench, I go, I, I don't know. He goes, what's your name? And I look at him, and I go, I'm Batman. And he started laughing, and he called the trainer, and the trainer pulled me out of the game. And I, <laughs> but I just saw Batman. So, wow. That's, yeah, that's, that's a good story. Here's the story part of that story. And, and there was another incident. I would have went back out in the ice, and, and that's dangerous because I had no clue where I was. I played the next night, though, and I was out cold for wow. like 30 seconds, 40 seconds. So it, it, it is good that we're, we're getting, you know, we're, we're you know, analyzing and we're, we're taking care of people that get concussions because I could have got, got hurt really bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which play... Which player had the ability to get under your skin the most? That just irritated you. Every game. Oh, there's so many. Each team had one. Um, no one comes to mind. Oh, okay. No, but but there, there was many. Each team had a guy. You know, you hear about Kenny Lindsman. Yep. Um, back in back in the day, he was the rat, right? He he was good at it. But everyone, there was a guy in Vancouver later on. Like I went after my Max Lapierre, always had the smile on his face. He just wanted to knock it off. Him. <laughs> um, but uh, but he was very like you know I say that with respect because very um, uh, effective at what they did. And and. There's a guy, actually, there is a guy in, in Germany, and he's, he's a Canadian guy, played junior and went over to Germany early. He actually lives in town here and I'm friends with Greg Eftyshevsky. He was a pain in the ass to play against. He was always in your face. Huh. Yeah. Wow. And this is a tough one, um, and it's broad. What's your favorite hockey memory of your playing career? My favorite hockey memory, um, I got I got two of them actually, is probably playing against Wayne, um, you know, and checking him that night. Um, and I told the story earlier. Yep. And the other one was um, I I coached a lot of hockey with my son growing up, um, and I had a team that we won. I don't know, it was Adam or something like that, and and we won uh, we won the championship, and the team was just so close. And I'll tell you. I was just at a 50th birthday party for the wife of, of this fireman that passed away here. Um, he was part of my team and part of my, my, the coaching staff. And we brought these kids together and it wasn't about winning. It was about, we were going for a Thanksgiving dinner in a hotel and we set up two tables and none of the kids wanted to sit at the one table. They all wanted to sit at the same table. And I just sat back there and I looked at it and I go, we built something here. These kids, this isn't about hockey. This is about memories and, and, and bringing teams together and, and giving them the experience. Everyone's always worried about winning and losing. We won because we brought the kids together, not because we were so good or whatever like that. But it was, it was, that was a rewarding thing for me. Oh, yeah, and that is just well said. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Neil, we can't thank you enough. Uh, we want to keep it right on time and not take 
the time away from you, but uh, boy, this has been uh, a great podcast for us with the stories. And uh, Andrew, the old, I shouldn't say old time players because I'm 53, but it's like players my age, they make better guests. Yeah, they got great stories. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, better guess. But Neil, we'll we'll say good. We didn't have, we didn't have cell phones back in those days, and if there is our, our cameras on our cell phones. Oh, because if we did now, we'd be like we'd be like uh, church mice. Oh yeah, yeah. There'd be, no one would be playing on teams. Uh, we'll we'll say goodbye off air, but officially, uh, we can't thank you enough for coming on. And this has really been a great time for us. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it and had fun with it. And you can call me anytime. Awesome. Again, I think the old-time players they have better stories. Either that, or their stories are more refined. They have twenty or thirty years to refine the stories. Well, yeah, I was about to say he's probably tried to tell those stories all the time too. I know that the old guys really pride themselves on the old stories, but they're great, great, great times, great memories. I'm sure, and uh, it's cool that you know your young your younger son can uh, listen and appreciate these stories. Man, I grew up with old-time hockey. So. Yeah, and and and. Um, you know, you found Neil to be the the, the guest, and he was uh, one not not by referral, so to speak. It was just one that we were looking through stats and and some social media, and uh, he was good enough to. Uh, he didn't even know until the day of really what we were going to talk about, so he might have been a little nervous about like, well, what's what's the end game here, boys? What are you looking to do? And it's like just talk about your career, talk about hockey, listen to some stories. So I think he had a great time. I had a good time. And uh, people should check him out. North Dakota, another North Dakota player, Andrew. Yep, absolutely. The uh, hockey world's small, small, small circle. And uh, we just appreciate everybody once again. We're pushing past 50 episodes. So we always appreciate the support and uh, the weekly support. I mean, it's it's every week. So yeah. we appreciate it. And another player from Vancouver in Calgary, which is, you know, West Coast team. Sure. Not You know, we're, I'm not too familiar, you know, with a lot of those old players from them. But, you know, like I said, Capiano, this guy. I mean. Banksy with Calgary. So uh, we're starting to get quite a few uh, Vancouver players on here, former Vancouver players. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate everybody tuning in this week and we'll see you all next week. Thank you very much.